I'm Cassandra. And I'm Bailey. And you're listening to Coffee, Spooks, and Murder. Hello, hello, everybody. Hello. I think you're going to have to yell. Oh. (laughs) Hello. I'm not, I'm not in the other room. I'm here. I am just quiet. (laughs) Her microphone is, I have to talk super far away and Bailey has to talk like (laughs) real close. Her microphone's not working, but new equipment, TBD. (laughs) Yeah, guys. Buy some bark boxes, <laughs> please. We need some money. <laughs> We're gonna put that that uh, that gift from uh, bridesmaids. Help me, I'm poor. Yeah, <laughs> I was just thinking. That. <laughs> well, welcome everybody to our podcast. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what episode we're on. Um, I want to say we're on episode eighteen. Oh. Because we took a little hiatus <laughs> again. <laughs> we honestly, we just have been so busy. Yeah. Um, I have my vow renewal coming up and my kids started their activities again. So things have just been a bit chaotic. And Ms. Bailey. I started full time. Mm-hmm. Monday to Friday gal. Yes. Um, but guys, this job's to stay. <laughs> Yay! We have Bailey back on weekends. Yes. I. It's so nice to have two days. I forgot how good it was to have two days off in a row. Oh, so lovely. And you get like, to sleep in. But I don't. Well, not really, because baby wakes up. <laughs> no, I wake up before baby. Oh. If anything, Drogo wakes me up. He's oh, the that worst. puppy. He knows when it's 6 a.m. Damn. Like, he knows. It's so weird. That's awful. <laughs> I can sleep in till 10. I'm never getting a dog. Oh, my God. I can't wait till he's, like, I can chop his balls off. <laughs> yep. Snip, snip, snip. I know. Everyone was like, oh, you can do it at six months. <laughs> and I went and talked to the doctor, and he's like, like, 14 months. Oh, my God. Like, what? Why so late? I don't know. That's he's awful. he's massive. Like, he's going to be... Like he's a teenager now, guys, and he is long, and his ears are so cute. Yeah. <laughs> we should we should post a picture of him on our page. We totally should. You know what he did the other day? <laughs> he's staring at me. <laughs> <laughs> no, he is such a little asshole. But now I put him in daycare, and he's so much better. Oh, <laughs> it's because he's probably like, oh, this is what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to jump on people. Well, he plays for, like, eight hours a day, and then he comes home and is, like... Tired. Is awesome. I'm like, if I could, I'd put him in five days a week. Oh, look at him. He's so cute. Hey. Cute little puppies. I know. I was going to just get a dog walker, and then I'm like, he's still going to go psycho. Yeah. (laughs) But literally, like, he'll go play, like, eight hours. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, like, he's calm the next day. Oh, that's nice. Through the night, the next day, like, yeah. He's probably like, don't send me away. No, he wants to go. He's pissed when he gets broke off. Oh, little puppy. Well, welcome, guys. Um, Thanks for hanging out and downloading episodes. The last one we uploaded was the mini mysteries, Mm -hmm. um, and it was the black... Hope curse? No, oh, no. Was that the last one. I lied. 
It was a, no, it was the Portuguese folklore. Yeah. Look, even that, you guys, I don't even, and I even posted that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I was like, oh, shit. Um, but we still have plans for this podcast. We do, guys. We're we do. Just, we're, we're balancing. We're trying to balance that, that, that full-time, full-parent work style. Yeah. Lifestyle. Yeah. And podcasting part-time. Um, so... Keep exactly. keep downloading so we can get higher and higher so we can do this full time. <laughs> It'll shift. You gotta think. We gotta at least put like three years and then we'll own our own podcast. Yes, and we can have a she shed. Yes. <gasps> the dreams. Okay, when we buy, I'm getting a she shed. Like, I'm getting a shed. Yeah, I agree. I 100% agree. I agree. <laughs> I'm all for it. Yeah. And we will get all our podcast studios ready to go. And we'll sound better. So, yes. but let's get started. Okay. Um, so, uh, Bailey, what you drinking? Well, uh, what did you drink? <laughs> I drank a small ice cap, which mm-hmm. I probably shouldn't have because I have to wake up for work in a few hours. So. Oh, damn. Um, and I am also <laughs> drinking an ice cap. I got the same thing as Bailey today yes. and they're from Tim Hortons. Yes. And they are delicious. And these smalls are quite large. They're not they- small. They are, but you know what? I don't get any bigger than small because the straws. Oh, yeah, they're the paper straws. Yeah, they melt in my drink, and then I can never finish a medium or a large because I don't have a straw. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah. it gets all clumpy ice at the bottom, and then you can't suck it through the paper straw because it's it gets pretty stuck. much mush. Mm-hmm. It's true. So we're just going to get started because we also may or may not record another episode, depending on the time, because yeah. <laughs> it's super, super late. Yeah. Bailey and I were talking really late. Exactly. <laughs> so it's my turn to do spooks. So it is episode 18, spooks, and I decided to go a different route. So my sources is Jezebel.com, okay. and I am going to be reading out the 10 scariest, most bone-chilling stories that you'll read all year. Oh. Yes. So I wanted, there was so many that I wanted to do, but then I came across this and I started reading all the little stories and I was like, oh my God, this is, it would be so good for spooks, especially late at night because Bailey also told me her house may be or may or may not be haunted. Yes. Creepy baby likes to Oh my God. She sent me a picture. We should put the picture. Yeah. On Instagram. (laughs) Bailey sent me while I was at work and I was like, bitch, no. Yeah. It was scary. I have cameras in my house, and I went to go check on the dog while I was at work, and all I see is creepy baby face down, not where I left her. Yeah. And then she sent it to me, and she goes, oh, my God, creepy baby's moving. And I said, Bailey, bless your house. (laughs) I'm not coming there tonight. Yes. (laughs) So this article on Jezebel.com is by Madeline Davies. (laughs) So what they did is they had asked people to send emails out. Um, to find the most buried, most frightening stories submitted by the listeners. Um, And it is for this year's Halloween Scary Story Contest. So did you know Halloween is only 70-something days away? (laughs) I'm just saying. I'm quite excited. That makes it seem so far. (laughs) I'm, I'm excited. I already have... How some Halloween decorations. I've got pumpkins. Yes. I've got. I'm so excited. Yes. Um. We love Halloween. I'm waiting for my full, first full paycheck, and I am going to home since. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Did Spirit Halloween is open? Yes. I'm. I was almost. I was ready to go, but I didn't because you know 
so expensive. <laughs> <laughs> so this article on Jezebel.com is from 2016, and our sources will be in our show notes. So we are going to start off with the first one, and this first one is titled This is Maria by Library Anne Again. Okay. okay, so these are all the story uh, listener stories that had been sent in for this um, article. So it starts off with, My husband and I live in a small, unincorporated town on the outskirts of a bigger city. Although we are almost 50 years old, we are 30 to 40 years younger than any of our near neighbors. Most of them have grandchildren who visit regularly and drive them wherever they need to go. Not so for the man I usually just called Professor. His wife, Elena, died 12 years ago. I only knew her briefly, but she and the Professor were one of those life goals kind of couples. I loved spending time with them. They were both (laughs) so erudite and witty and clearly still deeply in love. Elena's passing hit her husband hard. For the last year, he had been battling cancer. With no bus service in our rural area and cabs from town and expensive, long wait, I ended up driving him to the doctor's. The professor had been in the U.S. since his 20s, but he still retained a charming foreign accent. My name, he pronounced as Aune. Usually, he he phoned me. He would say... Good morning, Aune. Sometimes he would call me in the wee hours in pain, able only to gasp, Aune. I would drop the phone and run to his house to help him with his meds or take him to the city's emergency room. He was adamant about not staying away from home. He knew the end was near and he wanted to go in his own bed. On October 1st at almost 4 a.m., my cell phone rang, showing the professor's number. When I answered, a strange voice asked, Aune? Yes, I answered. Professor? No, the voice giggled. This is Maria. I'm taking him tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking crazy, right? Oh my god, I'm gonna call you. Okay. (laughs) Cassie! (laughs) Bailey? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) Then I woke up. I was sitting up in bed with the phone in my hand. My husband and our dog were sleeping soundly. So the phone hadn't rung, really rung, or had it. I started to call the professor, but if he was managing to get some sleep, I didn't want to disturb him. So I got up and dressed quietly, and the dog and I slipped out to the backyard. I could see the professor's house from there. No lights were on and everything was quiet. I wasn't comfortable there, so I went ahead and dialed. 25 uh, dialed 25 rings no answer damn i knew then <laughs> 25 rings 25 rings that's a long time like four in the morning yeah <laughs> like, i knew then i went back in and woke my husband we walked to the house and knocked nothing we had to we had to phone the sheriffs they broke in the professor had died seemingly peacefully in bed that's struggle guys <laughs> That's Maria. Yeah, that's Maria. <laughs> uh, because of our unincorporated location, any of the chores would, which would fall to professionals in an urban area are taken up by neighbors here. So that evening, with the deputies, deputy supervision, the families on our block began to sort through the professor's papers. We needed the deed to his burial plot and any kind of will or link to distant relations. I looked through a small scrapbook of old photos that was on the nightstand. There was no cousin Marco from the old country or nephew Bob, New York City, 1997. It was mostly pictures of Elena and the professor. And they're never spoken of young daughter Maria, who had died in Osaka in 1971. So it was his daughter. Maria. Maria. Isn't that scary? Could you imagine getting a phone call? Yeah. From someone's number that you go and you help regularly? Yeah. 
And then it just being like, no, he's oh. going with me. <laughs> like, where, where are you, Maria? <laughs> Maria. <Yeah. laughs> I didn't say your name. <laughs> Maria. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> so the next um, story is At My Window by Margarita Atwood. When I was little, it was just my mom and I in this tiny, tiny house in a small town. I have a freakishly good memory, so I can clearly remember the layout of my tiny room, which was the laundry room from the previous owners. It was long and narrow, with just enough room for my crib against one wall and a window high up on the other. Now, I've always hated windows at night. I won't look out for I won't look out them. I keep the curtains shut or run past them. My fear has always been that I'll look out and see a face staring back. I have this I have this fear. Okay, wait, is she remembering her nursery? Yeah. No one has that good of a memory. Yeah, she says she has an a freakishly good memory. I have a freakishly <laughs> bad memory. So. Me too. What does my room look like right now? I don't know. <laughs> I, I got to look at a picture. Now I've always, oh yeah, so she's always hated looking out at windows. I hated, I hate that. Ooh. I don't like that because of scary movies. Yes. Right? After a bad breakup in my early 20s, I moved back home with my mom and after she observed this behavior, I told her my weird paranoia. She kind of laughed and proceeded to tell me when I was about two, I would scream and scream that there was a man in my window. I had nightmares, so she didn't really think much of it until one night she came in to shut me up and there he was. A fucking man staring in my window. What? I looked at her like she was nuts. How could I, ha- how could I not have known this? Then she continued to tell me that the man was the father of one of my really good friends growing up. He was known for peeping into single women's windows. She also didn't tell me I had a benign heart murmur, and when the doctor discovered it once again in my early 20s, that scared the shit out of me too. Thanks, Mom. What the hell? Mom? Okay, I don't think he has a thing for single moms if he's looking into baby rooms. Yeah. Oh, my microphone's acting up. Oh, we're both. Oh, no. Ew, that's so crazy. That's awful, right? Yeah. I know. I was reading these, and I was like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. Like, get out of here. Uh, moms are liars. I don't liars. know. Liars. Mind you, like, for your daughter, because she's at, like, that age where you wouldn't tell her stuff that would freak her out. Yeah. Because she's already a scaredy cat. Like, when would you tell her? I don't know. I'd be like, oh, by the way, that man that liked to creep into your window was uh, a peeping yeah. tom. Like, remember when you had some nightmares as a baby? Like, <laughs> it's because you had a peeping tom looking out your window. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's fucked up. <laughs> that's weird. That would be like something that you would hear, and you'd be like, wow, thanks for telling me. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for explaining my childhood trauma. Yeah. Appreciate thanks, it, mom. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one is called 9-11 Calling" by Indiana Jones. Yes, the names are very spectacular. <laughs> this took place when I was about 10 years old. My mom had rather quickly filed for divorce, but she only had a part-time job and had and made very little money. So finding a place to stay that was affordable and available immediately was tough. A friend of hers told her that she and her husband had a little mobile home that was currently sitting empty and we could rent it practically for free till we figured out something else. I immediately didn't like the house. Part of this, I'm sure, was due to my parents' abrupt divorce and having my life turned upside down. But it was also just the house itself. We lived in a mountain town, and this mobile home was way way up a steep mile-long driveway. Beautiful pine trees surrounded it, but the house 
itself looked, looked abandoned and out of place. It had two bedrooms and two bathrooms, so my brother and I shared a room, and my mom took the bedroom with the attached bathroom. It was a very 70s home with wood paneling and dated fixtures. There were also areas that showed strange damage, like holes in the wall that were badly patched up. For whatever reason, I immediately refused to use the hallway bathroom. I wouldn't even step into it. My mom never really asked me why or questioned it, but let me use her bathroom. Anyway, my mom was gone a lot trying to find whatever work she could so I could be so I would be home alone a lot after school and on the weekends. Each time I received the 911 call, I was by myself. Ooh. My mom always told us not to answer the door, but we should always answer the phone in case it was her. So when the phone rang one afternoon, I figured it would be my mom since no one else really had our number yet. There was a woman on the phone who sounded very concerned. <gasps> Hello, this is 911 returning your call. We received your call, but we got disconnected, the woman said. I immediately got a sick feeling. I told her that I did not call 911, and she asked me if there was anyone else in the house who might have called. I said I was home alone, but I started to get really worried that maybe I wasn't. She said she would dispatch police to our address just to make sure everything was okay. At that point, I was terrified to be in the house, so I sat outside and nervously waited for the police who showed up in about 15 to 20 minutes. The officer asked me if I had called 911, and I said no, but they claimed I called them. The officer just sort of, sort of shrugged and said, "This kind of things happen. Some, uh, this, this kind of thing sometimes happens. They say that if it can't, they say that it can't, that the numbers can't get mixed up, but it happens. <laughs> that didn't make sense. I think I meant to say they say that it can." That the numbers can't get mixed up, but it happens. I don't know. He did a, curio- a, a cursory glance around the house, outside of the house and left. I tried to convince myself that the officer was right. It was just a mix-up phone call, and hopefully whoever did actually call got the help they needed. About a month later, the same thing happened. I got another phone call from 911 <coughs> saying they received a phone call from my number. I told them again that it must have been a mistake. The woman on the phone scolded me a bit, telling me that 911 wasn't something to play around with and I was preventing people from getting help. She didn't dispatch any police this time. Again, I was really worried someone was in the house, so I cautiously checked and made sure all the doors were still locked. I don't know why, but I always kept the hallway bathroom door closed. Maybe because of the eerie feeling I got from it. As I was checking the house, I just knew someone was in that bathroom. (gasps) I was terrified. I have a hallway bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) Part of me felt like I needed to open the door to check, maybe to prove myself wrong, but I was too afraid. So I just sat in the living room watching that door. It was so quiet in the house that after a few minutes, this is why I don't have a quiet house. (laughs) That after a few minutes, I swore I started to hear faint little sounds coming from inside, like kind of shuffling noise. I asked my mom to check the bathroom when she got (laughs) home and she quickly looked inside. The dog keeps running around and I'm like, who's there? (laughs) I know, he's whining. He's so scared. (laughs) 
she made me come to look and to see that it was empty and I was letting my imagination get the better of me. The 911 calls happened three more times over the coming months and only when I was home alone. The fourth time the dispatcher told me I could face criminal charges for what I was doing and they would contact my parents. I hung up the phone sobbing and terrified. I had that feeling like someone was in the house again, but I called but if I called 911, they probably wouldn't even show up. I felt like the girl who cried wolf Jesus fuck. <laughs> Alright, jumped a bit. <laughs> I've uh, Drago dropped a toy. <laughs> it scared me. I felt the little girl who cried wolf, only it wasn't me. It was like someone was playing a horrible twisted joke on me. I sat and watched the bathroom door again, hearing noises like someone was dragging their fingers across the door. Oh. I decided my mom was right and I was probably just letting my imagination get away. I decided to try and leave the bathroom door open so I wouldn't get so freaked out by the thought that someone was there. Then I got the fifth 911 call. The, the, this time, though, after I hung up the phone the dispat with the dispatcher, the bathroom door slammed shut. <gasps> I ran. I ran all the way down our steep driveway and found a place to wait till my mom pulled into the driveway. When she arrived, she was angry with me for leaving the house, but I, but she saw how upset I was. I think maybe she thought I was acting out due to the stress of the divorce. I refused to be alone in the house again, though, so we worked it out so I would stay later at school or go to a nearby friend's house till she got off work. Not long after this, we got a notice from my mom's friend that we needed to move out of the house because she, uh, because her mom needed a place to stay. I was so grateful to be moving out. I told my mom she needed to tell her friend that someone was wrong, something was wrong with the house, but my mom thought that that was a ridiculous way to pay back someone's generosity. I moved around a lot the next few years and tried to forget about that house. It wasn't until I was older that I really thought about it. I witnessed an accident and had to call 911, and the fear and paranoia all came flooding back. Stupid toy! <laughs> the stupid toy made a noise. <laughs> Uh, the call and the fear and paranoia all came flooding back. I decided to do some research. It's a stupid Yoda toy, guys. <laughs> Fuck my life. I decided to do some research, which honestly, I wish I had never done. A few years before we moved in, a woman was killed in that house in some kind of domestic dispute. It was days, though, before she was found. Shut up in the bathroom. Ew. What? Why? Would you let your friends move into your, your right? old dilapidated mobile home mm -hmm. in the woods that someone just died? Yeah. Isn't that fucked up? Oh, my God. And that's... It was a ghost. Yeah. It was the lady. <laughs> yeah. Calling that So home. scary. Yeah. To, yeah, to help her out. Oh, my God. Ooh, so scary. Yeah. So, My Baby by Seven Hells. This one's a short story, or this one's a short one. And the dog keeps biting that stupid Yoda toy and it's making noises. I don't know if you guys can hear it in the recording. <laughs> Probably. I will preface this with the fact that unnatural movements freak me out a lot. My husband and I were laying in bed one night when we heard a noise. Nothing crazy, just a small wrestling noise. That noise? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking dog. <laughs> We argued over who should check it out, decide, decided it was nothing, and then tried to go back to sleep. <laughs> go look. No, no you're going to... It's nothing. Okay, go to sleep. Yeah. Uh, heard the noise again. What the hell? You go. No, you go. While we were arguing in whispers because my daughter's bedroom had an adjoining door. So not only are they getting telling each other to go, there, you go. No, you go. <laughs> 
We heard it again near the foot of our bed. Oh my god. I turned on my phone to use the light and saw my daughter on the floor. She was on all fours, cocked her head, turned her face toward the light at a most disturbing angle, and then fucking skittered on all fours back to her room and into her bed. No. My- <laughs> no. No. Sorry. Sorry, foster home. I'm like, I'm sweating. <laughs> like, that's like, even reading it a second time, I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I'm terrified. My husband and I were absolutely horrified <laughs> slash terrified slash pissing ourselves. She was sleepwalking, brackets, <gasps> crawling, and had no recollection. Oh, she my did, God. Could you just fucking imagine? No. She did creepy sleep crawly, uh, sleep walky things after that for years. Usually, while we were watching scary movies or lying in the bed in the dark, kids are the worst. <laughs> I can't. I cannot. No. Oh my god! I would be. I wouldn't be able to hold my baby. No. 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 I would. Oh my god! I cannot imagine. No, I would be so horrified. Oh my god. <laughs> Possession. Possessed baby. Um, <laughs> so this next one is a different kind of grinder by Look for the Nine. That's the dog. <laughs> I've only told this story to my closest friends. I haven't even confided in my sister for fear of the obvious shame. Please buckle in because this tale needs to be told in length. I went to college in Chicago, which was a large gay community. Now, gay men are true champions of lever-aging technology to their sexual prowess. Grindr was on the map as the go-to hookup app years before the straights got into a tizzy about Tinder. I normally use Grindr to expedite getting my rocks off, but I was having an off week and decided to use a platform that's more to the point Craigslist. I posted a listing looking for a hookup with a good-looking, slightly older man, and within a few hours, I settled... On a fit 30-something. This was a Friday night and he agreed to pick me up at the apartment building. Then he would take me back to his place and we'd fool around. He picks me up at my nearest intersection. He's just as attractive as his picture. Yes, but something is off, personality-wise. I can only describe it as he was a little off, but he wasn't off in a slow or stupid way. Excuse me, sorry. (laughs) In fact, it was the total opposite. He was incredibly nice. His voice was kind and light, but there was something to practice behind it. In retrospect, the more I think about it, the more it feels rehearsed, calculated like a razor blade hitting and uh, hiding in a popsicle he asked me a little about myself but then he didn't respond when i would ask him the same questions he'd just smile and laugh it off what i did manage to get out of him was that he worked in real estate remember this he told me earlier through email that he lived on x and y street i wrote this off as a blip originally because these two streets ran parallel and he essentially told me that he lived in the middle of the road red flag red flag We were in his car for about eight minutes when he had already passed these two streets by a few blocks. I lived in a popular walkable area and at this moment I told myself, you can get out of the car now and you can run home. You're still close enough. But I ignored my gut. Always listen to your gut, people. Oh my god, don't let someone pick you up from your house and pick you to their house. Especially meeting for the first time. Yeah, go to freaking Timmy's. Oh my god. (laughs) I told myself that I was overanalyzing this. 
We get to his place after a 35-minute car ride. We're out of the city and in a neighborhood. Right away, his house is clean, but again, it's too clean. Everything was so polished, nothing out of place. There was a Dexter level of cleanliness to it. Mm. All right, this is giving me, like, Jeffrey Dahmer vibes. No. But Jeffrey Dahmer was dirty, though. Yeah, yeah, no, it's giving me, like, like psycho vibes. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Christian Bale vibes. Yeah. <laughs> we go into the kitchen, which was in the back of the house, and after a minute or two or of more awkward conversation, I wrap my hands around him and kiss him. Except he doesn't receive the kiss. My lips make contact with his, but his lips remain flattened at rest. There was a moment of pause, and he smiles against my kiss. This wasn't a friendly smile. This was a knowing smirk. He tells me this is his first time, and he's very, very nervous. He excuses himself and runs down the basement. No. Sir. <laughs> runs. It is in capitals. R-U-N-S. What? No. Run, baby. Run, run, baby, out of there. Just like, get out. Yeah. To no. follow him, or no? No, no, I have to follow him to get the fuck out of the yeah. house. <laughs> The stairs down are not ne are next to the kitchen. There are not a straight staircase. They turn at a right angle halfway down, which prevents me from seeing what's downstairs. Why are you looking? Oh my god, I'd be gone. He was down there for a good five to ten minutes. I hear stuff rustling around, metal things clanking together. I yelled I yelled down to get him back up. The sound stops, no reply, and then it starts again. I run to the bathroom and lock the door. I think about jumping out the window. It's a ranch. I text a friend. He tells me to get out, but I don't want to offend my host. Buddy, you're giving this guy way too much, like, slack. There's been so many red flags. I know. I mean, yeah. <laughs> no. There's a knock on the bathroom door, and he says to meet him in the bedroom. The kitchen is next to the bathroom. I consider pocketing a kitchen knife. He comes back up, and we finally start fooling around. He won't kiss, and he keeps telling me that this is his first time doing this. The weird thing is that he's oddly comfortable with my body, and he is actually good at gay stuff. He gets very aggressive at one point. I looked around the room and spotted a blue glass face. I tell myself that I can use this as a weapon if need be. He doesn't finish, but I ask if I may finish on him. He agrees. He freaks out after I do. He gets up without saying a word and completely naked. He walks back down to the basement. I put on my underwear and walk to the edge of the stairs. I hear whisper, whimpers and whispers. There is no one downstairs except for him. Of this, I am sure. The clanking metal sounds continue. They're nothing loud. They, they they sound like a scalpel being placed on a metal surgical tray or tools bouncing in a toolbox. No. Why are you still there? <laughs> yeah. Literally. He's oh, like, my God. He's like, let's fool around. But I know how to kill you. Yeah, like, right? who's the psycho here? Oh, my God. No. He's downstairs for five 10, 15 minutes now. I'm fully dressed. I'm giving my friend a play-by-play -play through text, and he tells me to drop him a pin. I don't know how to, so he walks me through the process. When I finally do send him my location, he calls me. You have to get out of the house now. Why, I ask? Do you know where you are? You're out by O'Hare. My fight or flight completely kicks in, now understanding that I'm stranded in an area that has no access to public transportation and I don't have a car. I yell downstairs to see if he's all right. All sounds stop. No reply. For a moment, I think about grabbing his keys from his jacket, driving his car a few blocks from my place, and leaving it wherever. At this point, I yell down, I'll be waiting outside. I hear what sounds like chains dropping and footsteps coming heavily up the oh. stairs. 
I run to the door, fumbling with the lock until I rip it open and get outside. He was naked last time I saw him, so I figure getting dressed will at least slow him down. I freeze for a moment, and then I took off running. I made it two blocks away before I broke down crying and called an Uber. This was February in Chicago, and it was maybe 22 degrees outside and snowy. At this point, Mystery Man tries calling me in a hang-up. He texts, Haha, where'd you go? I say that I got a ride and that I'm okay. I block his number. He knows where you live. Yes. <laughs> I hid between two cars at a used car lot while waiting 30 minutes for an Uber to pick me up. I saw Mystery Man's car driving around. <gasps> Two Ubers had already canceled, and I have to call the third Uber to make him promise that he wouldn't cancel on me because I was in danger. I block out this experience mostly. There are some nights wherein I begin to go over all the details in my head. It destroys me and turns my blood cold. And it's the little red flags that deeply unnerve me. The little red flags. (laughs) He he lists them out. (laughs) One, I'm convinced that they were in a model home or at least a home that he was selling. Two, he was gay and comfortable with himself, but I believe he was referring to something far more sinister when he was saying that this was his first time. Three, the smartest thing I did among many foolish choices was not going down to the basement. I do not think I would have come back upstairs if I had. Four, there's a moment in my in the end of the girl with the dragon tattoo where a man goes with the killer into his house knowing by now that he is the serial killer. And he... Killer says something along the lines of, you knew, but you still came inside. We're too afraid of being rude to go without animal instincts and get away from danger. I experienced this firsthand. Five. I always think back to the story that was submitted here last year about a man who was almost killed by John Wayne Gacy at a hotel as a teenager. He says that one day he saw Gacy's face on the TVs after being caught and he had a total breakdown knowing what almost became of him. Something deep inside me tells me that I may have had a moment like that myself one day. Listen, Linda. (laughs) Linda, listen. Linda, listen. Okay. You almost died. You almost became a victim. Holy crap. I thought that guy was going to go, I want to know what's in that basement. Oh, 100% something torturous. And like, why would, yeah, because if it wasn't, like, what would, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, Just scary. Just scary. So I want to end this as part one. I do want to continue this because the other stories that I do have on here are quite long. Um, So this is going to be part one of Spooks and the 10 most chilling stories. Yes, the baby one fucked me up. Oh my god, stop. (laughs) No, struggle. Freak you out. (laughs) Yeah. No, I get scared. Like, I'll wake up half asleep, and, like, I remember one time, you know when, like, you're tossing and turning? Mm -hmm. And, like, you change directions? Oh, my God. And I was, like, staring, and I'm like, like, what's going on right now? And you're blind. Yeah, and, like, I thought I saw a figure, and it was to the point where I was like, (gasps) like, out loud. Oh, my God. And then it was like, okay, I woke up, and I'm fine. You need to bless this house. I know. I know. We say, we do our podcast here, and I feel really bad because you have baby here, and you also have (laughs) the other two that come, and I'm like, "Mm, maybe we should just, like, maybe bless this house once in a while. Yeah. We got got the spookies here, but we got Drogo, and he, like, he's here all day alone. He's fine. As long as he's not barking at, like, the corners and stuff, then we're fine. Okay. 
that will be part one yeah. of our episode 18 spooks and the I'm, 10 most chilling ones. I'm officially spooked. Yeah, really, Those are scary. Right? And those were from, those were um, submitted in 2016. I know. Yeah. I know. Scary. So I can just imagine <laughs> what the new ones are, but um, keep an eye out, download, share, uh, like us on Instagram, on Twitter yes. and keep an eye out. And we will be back with part two and with a mini episode from Bailey. Yes, awesome. Yes. So until next time. Bye. bye. Thanks for listening to Coffee Spooks and Murder. Don't forget to check us out on our Instagram at Coffee Spooks and Murder. Our Twitter at CSM underscore podcast. And we want to hear from you, too. Send us your tales and suggestions to our email at coffeespooksandmurder at gmail.com. Till next time. Bye.